Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. So we've got, I want to talk to you about God interventions. Um, uh, and God, because God interventions are coming your way. They're coming my way. Even if we don't even know what that means, God is coming towards you and he's coming towards me uh, and, and God comes into our lives and he actually uh, uh, intervenes, interrupts um, our lives at moments in time where he's trying to get our attention, where he's trying to uh, bring about change to who we are or change to where we're headed or, or something that God is trying to do uh, in our life, in our world, in the earth, and he's trying to get to you and I. And he brings about what I would call God interventions, and they're, they're sprinkled, they're, they're, they're everywhere in Scripture. And they're actually, if you're unfamiliar with them, they're everywhere in this room. And so uh, there was a, a man, he was an African missionary from the UK. And uh, so he'd, he'd been on the ground in the in Africa, this is a couple of centuries ago, and uh, and he'd come home as missionaries do. They came home and they usually do a tour of their supporting churches so that they can ensure they got enough money to keep going. That's still kind of how it works. And and this man had returned home to the 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 church from which to use church speak. They'd sent him out from to go to be a missionary from Africa. And 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 the the history of the account says that. On that day, there were about 10 elderly people in the congregation, and he thought, how much money am I going to be able to raise from here for the work I do in Africa? And of course, he thought, no, I'm going to preach my sermon anyone, anyway. And in his sermon, his message was about, essentially, you need to go. And he thought, oh, well, I mean, we know different die cases on the mission field right now. I'm not sure how old die is, but I got an email from her the other day. Like, is Di in the 70s? I don't want to upset her. She's 70, right? 70. Gone to the mission field. Yep. Okay, so no one else is allowed to yell out at me except these guys, right? So, rest here. And I'm joking. So, she's there. This guy was like that. He's come home. He's run out of money. He's speaking to 10 old people and he's saying, hey, who can I send? Who can God send to the mission field of Africa? He gets to the end of his sermon. He gives an altar call to respond. None of the old people in the room respond. And a 10-year-old boy had been sitting next to his mother at the piano that he didn't know was there. The 10-year-old boy jumps out from the behind the piano. He yells out, send me, I'll go. You can understand his mother's reservation. But anyway, they set about a course of action. Those old people rallied together. As the boy grew, they sent him off to seminary. And when the time came, he left his homeland to go to Africa. The man's name is Dr. Livingston. He transformed Africa as we know it for the gospel of Jesus. See, a little boy in the back of a room on a very normal day next to his mama on the piano had something coming that the preacher didn't see and the people didn't see and he didn't see coming. It was a God intervention where God somehow, as only God can do, got to that little boy's heart and said, you're my guy. You're my guy. You're the one going to Africa. We're going to change the continent. We're going to transform people's lives. Uh, We're going to see salvation come to thousands and millions. To this day, I don't know if you want to look it up, Reinhard Bonnke, just punch it in and put Reinhard Bonnke, African um, 
revival meetings or something like that, and you'll see an image of more than two million people gathered in one church service, spotlights at football stadiums like the MCG so far in the distance that you can barely see them. They're like a little star. And Dr. Livingston was very much at the start of what God did. Ten-year-old boy into what anyone would have called a dead and old church in the back end of the UK somewhere. And God created an encounter that changed the course of nations. You and I have God interventions coming our way in our life. And the reality is they're meant to change something. They're meant to get something done in us. The truth is that if you're sitting in this room and you've been a Christian a little while, that you've already had them. The question isn't, have they come your way? The question just is, what have I done with them when they did? Was it a yes, God, here I am, and no, God? And wherever you find yourselves, whether it was a yes, no, you got it wrong, got it right, whatever it is today, fresh start, always lying in the sand, his mercies are new every morning, and you and I get to make a start today. Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter one, listen to it, God interventions. The word of the Lord, verse four, the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah's writing, he says, before I formed you in, uh, in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I love this thought, this idea that before you and I were even born, I was born in Brisbane Hospital in 1971, which just for the record, when you've got to put your date into something now, as I'm scrolling a long way back. And God knew me before I was born. He had a plan in mind before I breathed a breath. And the same is true of your story as well. And so Jeremiah is writing and he says, God speaks to him, God interrupts him, God intervenes and says, Jeremiah, I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah says, so full of faith, gives us all hope. Alas, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say you're too young. You must go everywhere I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I'm with you. I will rescue you declares the Lord. And an innovation comes in Jeremiah's life that says, sets the course for the rest of his days. And thousands of years later, we're still reading his words. In your life and mine, God interventions are coming our way just because God's good and he loves you. And that's the thing about a God intervention. It, it comes from pure motive. If God is looking to interrupt, intervene in your life and mine, it, it comes from pure motive and it has a good purpose. The first time I remember kind of this happening as a Christian, I was 22 years old. I was working on night shift. And I'm working away, 22 years old, and I had one shot in life, that was football. And because I'd become a Christian, my life's all cleaned up now. I'm not getting drunk at the functions that the West Tigers paid me to be at. And um, now I'm 22 and serving Jesus and living right. And um, I'm like, this is great. I'm on my way. I'm going to make it. And working that night shift in the middle of the night, this thought pops into my head. Darren, you can marry my daughter if you give away football. And in my head, before I could think, I went, oh yeah, for sure. And then before I could think again, the whisper of God said, I want you to do it for me. And I went, oh, no, God, no, not that. Anything but that, anything, any, like anything but that. And I remember being there and you got to know, like, I don't know what it is for you. I was 22 years old for the next couple of years. I like prayed every night. God, just give me a dream. 
turn this around, make me a famous NRL player and I'll serve you, Jesus, you know. I was, like, my heart was invested. And, um, but it was a God intervention that had pure motive from God and that had purpose that I couldn't see yet. Today, I look back and go, oh, I'm so glad. Like if, if I got anything right in the early days, I got that right. And God interventions are coming your way. They're coming my way at various points in our life. And so it's all through scripture. And, um, you know, uh, Acts 13 is one of my favorites because it's such a low key moment. There's some guys there gathered together in a small group praying, probably complaining about who didn't come to the prayer meeting. And, uh, and they're gathered together. And in the middle of that, the Bible says in Acts 13 that they were gathered together, these men, and while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, now, did he say it audibly or just a thought? We're not sure. Um, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So they fasted and prayed. They laid hands on them and sent them off. And, and it's just this very ordinary prayer meeting, very ordinary day like the one we're in. And right in the middle of it, the Holy Spirit intervenes. It goes on to say, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. And so my thought is, if it was audible, it didn't need to seem good to them. It just needed to seem good to them if it wasn't audible and it was a thought in their heart. In 2001, some of you will know the story, I was driving through Tamworth on a six and a half hour road trip from Cowrie to Armidale. And as I came around the, um, the roundabout near the golf course, this thought rushed into my brain before I could think, Darren, you're coming here for a long time. I rang Brian on my big old mobile, the brick, if you're old enough, the brick mobile in the car and said, Brian, here's what just happened. I think it was a thought from God. We will see. Two weeks later, I get a call. Darren, will you and Brian pray about moving to Tamworth? When we don't need to pray, we'll see you soon. And off we went. And so, you know, and those things have been over and over and over and over again in our lives. And standing here in this moment and living whatever God has called me to across my life is because of those God interventions where he calls you and I to respond to him with a yes. And they are good and they matter and they set the course of our lives. The biggest one I think I ever made apart from surrendering my life to Jesus was in 2005, standing on what was our church block. Some of you remember it. Greg, we used to have your photo on the wall back there. And uh, um, I was standing on the grounds over in Juro Road on the building. I'd been to work all day. There was about 15 of us in church at the time. And everyone around me, my friends, their worlds seemed to be blowing up and mine seemed to be hidden in obscurity. And and uh, I remember I got on my knees and just said, God, if this is what you want me to do for the rest of my life, pastor 15 people here in Tamworth, that's what I'll do. And of course, I was prepared in that moment to do it. It was a God intervention. He brought me literally to my knees, but in my heart to the end of myself. And he created a moment where in that next hour, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, enlarge the place of your tent. You'll expand to the left and to the right. And pretty well from that day to this day, and we'll see what's happening next, that's kind of been the story. And so we praise God. God interventions are meant to have that kind of impact in our lives. They come without a pure motive and for good cause. And so, so how, do you, how do you respond to a God intervention? Well, how do you recognize it quickly? And how do you respond? The quick answer is how do you recognize it? I think it's this simple. My yes, Lord, to it. Uh, has God-worthy purpose attached? 
whether it's character develop or I die to myself or I step into purpose or it helps the poor or whatever it is, my yes to God in the midst of an intervention, though it might come at personal cost in the short term sometimes, um, often comes at the expansion of other things, um, character, people, lives, cause, all of that kind of thing. So test it with that. Uh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And, um, and, and make that like a wedding vow. You know, when uh, I've been to a lot of weddings and I've asked them, do you receive this person to be your husband or wife? I've never heard anyone say no. No one's shocked at the yes. I want to live in the place where, I want you to live in the place where God's like, of course it's yes. This is kind of a question I just ask in the process, right? It's like, yes, Lord, I'm in. And uh, so, so that, that's a good way to just start, but also the way to test is this God, because what will be the outcome from your yes? The outcome of my yes, as far as I can see it, is very helpful in determining is God in it. And so that's that. And then there's a response. And to do that, I want to take you to um, Jethro in Exodus chapter 18. I want to walk you through how to come to a yes in God's intervention in your life. Verse 7 of Exodus 18, it says, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' wife and or sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped um, near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law, am coming to you with your wife and two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. My kids are all just about adults or adults. And I think we should bring this back. So they went to Moses. They bowed down and they kissed him. Good rule for some of us. I'll just scan the room in case you're here. They are, and, um, and kissed him. They greeted each other. They went to the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything God had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake. All the hardships they'd met along the way. How God had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things that God had done for Israel in rescuing them from the Egyptians. Now I know that, um, that your God is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. He said, praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, um, from Pharaoh and from the hand of the Egyptians. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering. He offered sacrifices. They, they have a party. And then it says, the next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge. And he stood around from morning till evening when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people. Listen to this. He said, what is this you are doing for the people? Which at this point, Moses is thinking awesome things. So I'm helping them. Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses answered, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me and I decide between the parties and I inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, remember Moses is a big deal by now. He says, what you're doing is not good. You and these people have come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. Listen now to me. I'll give you some advice and may God be with you. Um, some versions say, he says, and essentially, I believe this is the word of the Lord, or I believe this to be God. You must be the people's rep representative before God, bring their disputes to him, teach them the decrees, but select capable men from among the people and appoint them as leaders, you know, over thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. 
They will make your load lighter and they will share it with you. If you do this, and here it is, and God so commands, God so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain. And then it goes on, Moses does the work and it says Moses did everything his father-in-law said to do. On this very normal day, with someone very familiar to Moses, Jethro turns up with this um, God intervention that changes the course of everything. Like it changes Moses' life right immediately because as soon as they get it sorted out, his life is just going to be sustainable. But it doesn't only change it for Moses, it changes it for who they bring through. And it doesn't only change it for that, it changes it for the people who can actually get some justice done. And not only that, but what Moses can't see that we find out in the ensuing chapters is that this is setting them up for their God-appointed future. This expansive God-appointed future with the framework that is going to enable them to grow enough to go into the promised land. And so here's this God encounter, and it doesn't look like what Moses is used to. Moses has heard the voice of God audibly. Moses has gone up on the mountain where smoke surrounds and no man can enter except him by the grace of God. Moses would withdraw to a tent, the Bible says, where the presence of God dwelt and no one else went with him. Moses has had God encounters like every Pentecostal believer on the planet wants to have a God encounter. And in this moment, God decides that he's not going to speak to him audibly in smoke on a mountain in a tent where it's really powerful, but through his father-in-law. I don't know about that. Like, really, like, put yourself there. Imagine, imagine you'd been hearing from God audibly. Imagine you'd been hearing from God in the privacy of your room in such a way that they wanted, now we'd write books about it, right? And good. And uh, you'd be on YouTube and everyone would want to know what the secret is. Imagine you'd had that life and then the next God intervention in your life comes from your father-in-law, who by this stage, Moses is most likely a bigger deal then. And, th- and that's what we have. So how do you respond to that? The first thing we see here is, number one, they pause and celebrate the God story so far. It says how the night before, and, and before the God-inspired intervention, God allowed them a, a grace-filled celebration. And I love that. They didn't plan it, but I love that God did it. I think it says a lot about God before he gives them this heavy work to do and this confronting word to Moses. Um, he allows them time to celebrate before Jethro gets to see it all. And, and I just always, like, it's good to stop and celebrate how God, far God has brought you and how far God has brought us and, and, and just pause and celebrate and go, wow, this is quite a miraculous story, whether it's you or your family or just, you know, in your church or whatever it is, just how far God has brought us. And um, so what's your God's story so far? It's good to pause and celebrate um, this side of an intervention and, um, and, and just take in all that God's done, all that God's done. Yesterday was my 23rd wedding anniversary. I've been married to Bromwyn Hillary Bunnell since October 7, the year 2000. Great year for two reasons. Kathy Freeman won gold at the Sydney Olympics and I got to marry Bromwyn Hillary Bunnell. Good deal. And uh, 23 years. And the truth is, we're sitting out at um, Dungowan yesterday and we could both look each other in the eye and go, we love each other more than we did then. Where, where Bronnie used to ask me, she'd say, who's your best friend? And I'd go, oh, I don't know. My brother. And she'd go, what? Not me. I go, well, I'm just being honest. Like, you're my wife and I love you more than anyone, but you're talking about my best friend. Like, 
I know, right? It's bad. But the truth is that it's not even close anymore. Like it's Bron and who knows? It's Bron. 23, and, and, and you look and go, God has brought us through so much. You know, it hasn't always been, well, they say strawberries and cream. I'm not always the easiest. Is it that? No, it's not that. I just got a nod, no. And, but whatever it hasn't been, it's been a marriage that's gone from strength to strength. And, and so we stop and we celebrate in the midst of whatever challenges. And, and same with you. Here, here's the second thought, humility. Um, it needs humility to hear sometimes that God uh, uh, the God interruption, the God intervention needs humility to hear in our lives. Moses has the humility to hear, and I, I love this about him. Like, think about what's being said. Um, listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. And at verse 24, Moses' response is, he listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Moses' humility in this moment, just it's what makes what, fo- what follows possible. Um, he's able to hear that he's wearing himself out. He's able to receive Jethro's wisdom. He's able to hear some of the hard-to-hear words. He's able to hear what's got to change. I, I think, and I, I wrote it like this, humility is our superpower in a God-inspired intervention. And so what, what about you? Can, you? can you hear? Could you hear from your father-in-law, Jethro? Could you hear from someone like me? Could you hear from the person next to you? And me too. Can I hear because if I'm going to receive the intervention of God that is pure in motive and comes to serve a purpose in our lives and through our lives and for whatever God is up to, there are times when it'll take humility, um, real humility to receive that word, if it's, especially if it's something that's a correction, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the, the sin in my life or something going on or I'm not doing something well, um, just to hear it. Jethro's words are at one level hard to hear, but they're also life-giving. They're also life-changing. Um, they're going to challenge the way Moses looks at the world, the way he prioritizes his life, the way he leads. Um, it's going to change all that. And, and, and am I humble enough to hear the way Moses did? Because that becomes powerful in a God intervention. Here's a, here's a third thought. Um, embrace a brutal truth. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this here. This is the most helpful thought for me. Embrace a brutal truth. It's not my word. Um, I stole it from Ed Young Jr., Dallas, Fort Worth. Um, embrace a brutal truth. What, what Moses has here is uh, his father-in-law telling him all the awesome stuff and then looking him in the eye, and he literally says in verse 14, what is this you are doing for the people? And it's not like an inquiry like this is awesome. It's what we read before. And then in verse 17, he, he builds on it. He says, what you are doing is not good. I love this about Moses. Moses is a big deal. Who's speaking back to Moses? You know, we could look around the world right now and see some very high profile leaders who just couldn't hear anymore. Just unfortunate. But it's, it's often what happens. And Moses is a big deal and he's still humble enough and he'll receive the brutal truth. And will you and I, like, will we receive that? Well, am I open to that? Will I invite that in? some people in this room that, yeah, it's just a story. It's just the way it is. That you, you do invite that in. That I've said to you, hey, you can speak that to me. But what if I haven't invited someone in and they bring something powerful to me that just needs me to hear? Invite the brutal truth into our lives. And then the fourth thought and the final thought here, um, because the brutal truth is truth in love. 
is act with urgency. It says Moses listened to his father-in-law, did everything he said just to act with urgency. And uh, sometimes people hang around weeks, months, years on what they know if they said, yes, Lord, is actually a God intervention into their lives from Scripture, the Spirit, from somebody. And, and the key is to act with urgency, to respond now, to shorten the turnaround time on our response to God, His Word, and His Holy Spirit. And so where, what, is there something in your life right now? And maybe it takes faith. Maybe you've got to step out. You know, when I was preparing this message, I'm like, I wonder, what, I wonder what's around the corner for me. I wonder if there's a God intervening moment that says to me, Darren, I need you to do X. Like walk away. It's not happening as far as I know. Walk away. Trust me with your future. Take nothing and no one with you. Like that would challenge me to my core. But if God spoke it, it'd be pure in motive. It'll have purpose that I can't fully see. And I want my yes to be immediate, to be urgent and to step into that. So I wonder, is there an intervention that he's tried to bring in your life? Let's go back and revisit it. Give him a yes. Act with urgency on it. If something comes your way in the days and weeks ahead, may you respond to it. May you act with urgency on it. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.